Hello and welcome to another episode of Northwestify, the podcast focusing on technology and digital sector in Manchester and the wider Northwest region. With me in the studio, as ever, Zach Giorgio, uh, who is the tech recruitment answer to Tom Selleck is to the moustache. <laughs> Hi guys. And the fabulous Denisa, as ever. Um, today in the studio, we have two very special guests. We have Amanda Newman, Senior Manager at Accenture and AKA The Career Mum. Hello, Amanda. Hello. And we have Heather Williams, former primary school teacher, second, secondary school fi- teacher. former secondary school teacher, um, and then tester, and then front end developer. Uh, welcome, Heather. Thank you so much. So, um, thank you all very much for coming on the show. And maybe I'll start with you, Amanda, and um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing at the moment over at Accenture. Thanks, John. Um, so, yeah, I'm Amanda Newman. I'm currently a senior manager at Accenture, but I've had a long career in tech and very passionate about getting more women into tech. Um, I worked at Shell for 20 years and left there in quarter four 2017 and taking redundancy. And after that, I was going to take a year out. So I decided to set up a blog called The Career Mum. Um, I was getting a lot of hits, so I decided I wanted some engagement with my audience and set up the Facebook group, The Career Mum. So I'd love all your listeners to join. It's a free group. There's loads of free resources in there to support and empower women to reach their potential. I then went on to work at Microsoft for almost 18 months and um, wanted a more local job in the Northwest. I'm very passionate about growth in the North. I'm from the North and found myself at Accenture just eight weeks ago. And it is just the best experience ever. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it and look forward to sharing more about that in the uh, in the upcoming discussion. That's really brilliant. And I can, I'm actually uh, on that Facebook group that Amanda talked about. And I can even, there's only 4% guys on there, but it is a fabulous group. It is for men and women, parents or not, I think is the, is your tagline. Yeah. Very encouraging, supportive group. It's not Northwest specific. We have people from literally all over the world. It's uh, a global group with 4,000 yeah. members. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, it's just, it's just brilliant. So get get yourself on there. Um, so thank you for that, man. And then, so Helen, tell me a little bit about you and your. I'm really interested in your story because you've come from a teacher, and then you decided to go into tech. And what made you think about a career in tech? First of all, I think it's something I've always been interested in. Um, my undergraduate degree is in graphic design, so I always felt like teaching maths wasn't quite playing to my creative background. Um, So it's always something I was interested in and after 10 years in education I was feeling like it wasn't something that I wanted to do until I'm 70 potentially and so I decided to make that change, quit my job, started all over again Um, and yeah, find myself now as a front-end developer at Autotrader. Um, I've been in tech for about a year and a half now and I absolutely love it. Really was, happy. was it hard to get to first of all was it hard to make the decision I mean you sound like you knew you wanted to do it so was, yeah. that, was that part of it easy going I really want to do this yeah I think if there's something that you're interested in doing then you obviously want to go and pursue it but the reality of changing your career in your 30s you know the the financial implications of that um it's it's really tough and I think it's maybe just the sort of cumulative effect lots of small things and then eventually over time you reach that breaking point and then you just know you have to do it so. i feel like that decision needs a round of applause very brave yeah i saw um heather give a talk about her career change at the group that we were we were all at and i was very impressed right and i think oh, she's very brave you. and also uh, i thought you were really a brilliant speaker and i think you encourage a lot of other people to do the same thing which is what we want to get out for this podcast that people go yeah do you know what i i that heather did it i think i might 
give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you went through the route with Tech Returners, am I yeah, right? That's right? And so tell us about that. How does that work? What's the format there? Mm. Is it full-time, part-time? So the course that I did was actually the first pilot program that they ran. So this was, um, gosh, two years ago, I think I started it. Um, and for me, it was coming back after a career break it was part-time, I think it was about 12 weeks. We just did one day, it was a Wednesday, and it was a very sort of light touch introduction to coding, light touch in terms of tech. Um, but there was a real big focus on building your confidence, looking at your CV, thinking about how you sell your transferable skills if you're entering tech for the first time. How do you talk about what you've done before in a way that people can understand it and see the real value? And I just soaked up as much as I could. The The tech skills were stuff that I'd, co I'd covered through uh, sort of self-learning, but being in that community, surrounded by people who said, yes, you should change your career. Yes, you can do this. Um, it was just an amazing environment for me to be in. So it sounds like they more the focus was on building you as an individual, which is really interesting. Comes back to the last podcast we had, Absolutely. which was Chris Chris March talking about getting people excited about the role and make giving that sort of can do. And it was more of a focus on that. It's really interesting because the the what we call boot camps, in my opinion. The other ones don't focus on that, and it's a lot. They 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 do a broad spectrum, but they do skills, and then they do interview techniques, but not necessarily what you're saying, which is advertising yourself, and making yourself, promoting yeah. yourself, and and the interpersonal skills. Yeah, I think that the tech returners program has probably shifted since the initial pilot program. So it's now called Your Journey into Tech, and I know that they're running um, programs either in isolation from companies, or they're actually going in and running it on behalf of companies like the BBC or like booking.com um, and I think they're now much more focused on that broad technical experience but I think if you're talking about career changes or people who've had a career break it's such a waste not to spend time talking about what else they bring to the business I as opposed agree. to just it's about the person exactly absolutely yeah so Amanda can we bring you in at this point then obviously you're a senior manager uh, over Accenture and you're looking to bring more women into tech What's, I think what's holding women back at the moment, in your opinion, and that's a very open question, but... Well, you know, I think there is a big belief that tech is a bit unachievable or um, it's about coding and that's all. But, you know, I've had a now, oh God, I hate to say it, like 25 year career in tech and I'm not a coder. Um, John and I actually went to uni together and we both studied computer science, but I went down the math stream and John went down the computing stream. So you don't have to be a coder to have a career in tech. And what I'd say it's given me is, well, overall financial independence, which is really important to me. And I think it's really important for a lot of women. Um, but, you know, a really exciting and diverse career where I've traveled the world. Um, I've led projects delivering things from sustainability through to, you know, governing the fuel stations and Shell and the IT that's delivered there. You know, I've had such amazing experiences and I can't think of a better career, if I'm honest. That's, a, that's fantastic to hear. And again, you reiterated a point that Heather brought up that it's about the whole person. Um, I think that needs to be, you know, that we need to bring more of that out, that people realize, think it's a tech career, you need to be techie. And there are so, first of all, there are so many careers in tech, as you've just said that anything from you know product owner to scrum master 
um, front and back end development, but uh, project management. So there's a huge range. Well, and you know, for example, um, somebody that I'm currently working with, they're looking for user experience uh, teams. They're looking for testers and, and for user experience and to be able to write user stories, they want people who've got a, a degree in English or an experience in psychology that can analyze user ex- user emotions and responses. And none of that is tech, but you are in the tech world and you get exposure and you never know where your career might take you. And I think what's interesting about that is is the fact that we take it for granted. Our children's take it for granted. You know, all of our children, if you've got children, oh, but the younger generation just basically know how to swipe. Well, my three-year-old knows how to swipe <laughs> when, they're, when they've got my phone and they say, um, uh, is that a message? No, daddy. <laughs> like, yeah. cl- clearly it is. By the way, for people that can't see us, I swipe then. <laughs> um, but we take it for granted, but we don't realise what's going on behind the scenes. And I think that's what's fascinating, the stuff that we're actually developing, what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone goes onto a website, but do they really know what goes on behind the scenes? How it's been coded, how yeah. it's been... And and also, I don't think people need to know, because ultimately, when we work in tech, it's not just about creating new tech. It's about solving a problem that needs to be solved. It's about inspiring people. It's about creating great experiences. And and those things are not just about how you write the code for something. It's about, are you making stuff that is right for people? And I think that's why I love tech, because it's actually less about tech than I was maybe expecting. Okay. I think there's a real barrier for people. You know, my awesome niece is in her early 20s and she's considering a career change from the food and, and uh, food industry. And I'm trying to convince her to move into tech and she's telling me that she doesn't think she's got the skills for it. Well, I know in her late teens, she built her own PC and she's wow. a gamer and yet she still perceives that she can't go into tech and she'd be brilliant. So if anybody's looking for a, a young, brilliant 20 year, old, 20 year old to go into tech, I think she'd be great. What, why do you think that, percep- that perception still exists? Why, why do people think it's just a techie career? As, are, are we at fault, the tech community, I'm looking at myself, if I can <laughs> do such a thing, are, by not shouting about enough of the other careers and what Heather's saying is about solving problems, isn't it, rather than tech? Is there more we can be doing in the community? I think, I think there's always more that, that we can be doing. I think we are fighting this age-old stereotype from Hollywood movies of the person who works in tech is the young white guy in his 20s wearing jeans and a hoodie, sitting at a computer all day on his own with big headphones on and lots of screens. And we, we, have, to, we have to tackle that. I don't know if there is a way to tackle it. I think there's probably lots of things that we need, that we need to be doing, but I think that's that's where the, that battle comes from. Well, and I think, you know, Heather and I, I've seen Heather speak as well before, so it's really nice to see you again, but um, we both hold ourselves up as role models and we need more women to do that. And for me, in my mid forties, it's really important for me to stand up and be my authentic self and say, this is what a woman in tech can look like. You know, I, I got big curly hair. I, I have an individual dress style and I don't change that for anybody. So I think um, if people can find relatable role models, then they might see that it's actually a career for them. Yeah, I think Oscar Wilde said it right, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Yeah. And I think it is about being authentic and different, actually showing that you can be different and still have a job in this perceived stereotypical role is amazing. And that was the thing that when we, we come back to that event that we, we were talking about that we were all at, um, that was the thing that stood out for me that I, you know, I would say, obviously, there's a lot, a lot of things guys could be doing, but actually something women 
could do more of, which I would love to see, is them going into schools or wherever and saying, I work in tech, this mm-hmm. is what I do. I'm in the marketing side, as you know, the technology side, front end side, and I love it. And I'm not a, I'm not a guy, I'm not a, a white middle class guy doing it. I'm, I'm a woman doing mm. it. And I think there are programs out there that are doing it. So there's been a, a program with Manchester Digital over the past 12 months. And every single month, a number of partners have gone in and run sessions within the boroughs of Greater Manchester. So we were in Rochdale last week, I think it was, running sessions for girls, I think in year nine, showing them this is what a woman in tech looks like. These are the kinds of roles that you might be interested in doing. And particularly ours at Autotrade, we talked about the real breadth of roles that it takes to create exciting tech stuff. And that's we didn't focus on on being a developer or being a tech lead. We talked about being a project manager, working in finance, um, being a business analyst, and and those other roles that are not just about writing code. So, so Amanda, are you, am I right in saying that you've been a STEM ambassador before? Is that right? At schools, you've sort of yeah. I'm actually not a signed up STEM ambassador, okay. but it's on my to do list. Okay. Absolutely, really important. Um, but yeah, I have I have done programs. Um, to try and get more girls into STEM and it was again targeting year nine. In reality, that's too late because girls are dropping out prior to that. You know, my son's just um, started a computer science GCSE in year 10 and he there's no women, there's no women on the course, no girls, um, which really upsets me. So something is going wrong and I think it's going wrong probably in year six and seven. So we need to do more to actually appeal to, to those groups. I spoke to the, the junior school at my kids' school about it. Um, and they said they, they don't quite know where the gap is because in the junior school, they're actually, the girls are really excited about tech. They're coding, they're really involved. Somehow year seven, they start to drop out. So it's the gap between six, years seven and nine that we really need to target. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I have the same, almost exactly the same anecdote. My son is doing computer science and there's no girls in his class. And he has uh, friends who are girls who wanted to do it. And they said, oh, but there's no girls doing it. So yeah. we're not going to do it. And I'm like, what? And But, you know, it, you have to be brave as a girl to be the only girl, I think, in a class and to push through. And they are the exception. And I don't know how we address that. Really well, I think it's it's how we educate, as you say, in that gap where we educate, where we go, well, all these things that you're using on a daily basis that you don't realise is coming from somewhere because it's just, to you, the norm. It's how we get them to understand that, actually, you could have an impact on that. And you could be heavily involved in that. And I think Chris touched on it about confidence, about building their confidence to go into it. But then there has to be, well, why and what it's come from rather than just, well, use this every day because I can. Well, and actually tech is pervasive, isn't it? So in 10 or 20 years time, there might not be careers in tech. Every career will be in tech. You know, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a, a film star, you want to write films, you want to, you know, anything. You'll have to be using and very experienced and knowledgeable of the tech around you. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, one thing that comes up quite a bit when in these sort of surroundings, women talking about, um, you know, the lack of confidence and imposter syndrome in particular. And there's a lot, I think people have been a lot more open about that now. And there's a lot more openness in general. I'm, I'm talking about LinkedIn because that's the, the social network I'm on probably the most. Um, about being open about health, mental health in general. Do you think that's, are you seeing that as well, I guess? And do you think, you know, how can we encourage more of that and it not to be seen as um, a disability, that if you're struggling with some mental health issues that really there's actually, you need to talk about it and bring it out into the open and, well, and get support? 
I think it's really important, first of all, to say that obviously imposter syndrome affects both men and women. And I think we can sometimes underestimate that. Um, and everybody needs that level of support. So as a line manager, I have a responsibility to make sure I meet with every individual in my team every month and check in with them personally, not just how they're getting on with work. And so I think it's really important that everybody takes that responsibility if you're working in teams. But mental health shouldn't be something that people are ashamed to talk about. You know, definitely I've, I've in my only eight weeks in Accenture, I have seen evidence that it's really encouraged. And, and people have different challenges through different times of their career so it's it's really important that again you hold yourself as a role model and have the courage to talk about it and be open uh, imposter syndrome you know I've faced it myself I've got four kids on returning from maternity leave often to senior roles uh, I felt I can't do it I've taken a year out I've forgotten everything and it's not uncommon you know on on the third time round when I had twins I was familiar with it and I just quickly got over it and I now like to share that experience and my learnings with others who might be faced with the same challenges but um, with the right support and tools imposter syndrome is quite easily to overcome. That's really good to hear Amanda thank you. I mean I was really interested because I did some a bit of reading before we came on the show today to find about a bit more about imposter syndrome as well and you're right it is it's actually as common in men and women and um, one study found that actually men are more affected by it, that their stress levels are actually raised higher by the feelings of being an imposter. So that's probably something that doesn't get a lot of attention. And again, there's probably the, the flip side of, of the diversity coin there where men are maybe expected. There's probably an expectation of them to push up, push those kind of feelings down in a way and, and uh, just get on with it. And I think it'd be great if we, if we saw a change in that direction as well. I think for me it's quite interesting I've, I've never made a connection between imposter syndrome and mental health before mm. I've always thought of them as, as quite separate things um, but for me I've, I've been talking about imposter syndrome quite a lot in the past recent months the first few months in my career as a developer I didn't talk about it because it was just absolutely crushing those feelings of being an imposter and I think as my confidence has grown, I felt more comfortable to talk about it. And it is quite overwhelming, the number of people, when I talk about it quite openly, the number of people that say, yeah, I've, I've felt really similar things. And there's something really reassuring about knowing that it's not just you. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point because when you're feeling vulnerable, it's the it's the last thing you want to do is share that you're feeling vulnerable yeah because that makes you feel more vulnerable it's a bit yeah. of a vicious circle <laughs> so for those of us that have suffered with it it's really important that we talk about it when we're feeling stronger yeah and tell others that it's easy to overcome yeah so um a question for you both then do you think it's difficult to make it as a woman in the tech sector now still is there, is there still barriers being pushed up no, I think you can really make it and go as far as you want. And I think it's just the best career for that. There's so much opportunity. Companies are trying to get their gender balance. They've got um, targets at senior levels for gender balance. And they want to do everything they can to support and empower women. So um, as a woman in tech, it's the place to be, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I'm torn, I think. I think there are there are so many opportunities as you say, companies are looking at their gender balance and going, we really need to not just find, but really help our women to have a great successful career and how might we do that? But I think I've potentially been quite spoiled where I am at the moment because I feel really well supported. I know that um, diversity inclusion is, is such a, a big part of where I'm working, but I know that there are lots of companies where 
it isn't the big focus and I think certain environments can make it more difficult for women um, I've heard lots of stories about women in technical roles being encouraged towards non-technical roles, saying, oh, coding is a very difficult skill. Maybe you should think about something, you know, like project management, which for me sounds even more complicated. Um, and I think that those experiences, particularly if you're already feeling like an imposter, yeah. you're already feeling like you stand out in lots of ways, those experiences can be enough to make you think maybe I should think about a different industry and so, I think that's really sad it's really that's a really important point you've shared so if anybody is feeling that way that's listening to this yeah first of all make sure you've got a mentor a woman in tech who can mentor you and help you through that nav navigate that difficult yeah. situation but I can guarantee there are lots of companies out there who would not behave like that yeah. so that is not the right company for you mm. find somewhere else there's lots of companies waiting to employ you and give you the opportunities you're looking for yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I think there's loads of companies that want to encourage diversity across the workforce. I think they, you know, advocate bringing more and more women into their businesses because I think it does give them that balance. And I think what's interesting for me is the confidence element that we're talking about here a lot. I think how can we do that at an earlier, maybe it's the point of the seven to maybe it's even at that stage because that's what Chris Marsh talked about earlier on was sorry on our last podcast should I say Chris mentioned about how he'd been into schools and teachers were basically saying that um, they were finding it challenging to come into big cities because the talent was so high so it was putting people off actually following a career in tech well, he, had, he said that he, teachers had told some pupils you won't make it in the city in the tech, you know, I was like shocked, right? I was shocked as well. Yeah, but really like there's an I, yeah, it's too, it's very competitive. Like, you want to be a film star or a footballer, or yeah, but no, it's like <laughs> it's, a, it's a tech job where there is, you know, there is a huge skills gap. I, I don't see, I don't see the parity, and obviously those people are in in a, in a different land from the four of us where we we know there's a huge gap. So do we need to educate the teachers? I think so. Yeah. And I think what what I'm more and more industry going into schools absolutely. I think is absolutely something that's yeah. hugely important. You know, so, and I think it should be across the piece. You know, I don't think it should necessarily be people in tech, but you make a really valid point about how in 20 years time everyone's going to be using tech. A doctor, you know, how how have they evolved? How's everything evolved in the past 10 even if you take it since the late 90s how has everything evolved so much it's i mean it's unbelievable in 1960 i'm gonna get it wrong now 69 or 67 we sent a man to the moon 69 69 that's 69 right. yeah <laughs> denisa edit this out like <laughs> it's 69 my sister just had a 50th in 90 yeah same in 1969 we sent a man to the moon and these devices that we currently carry around were actually more powerful now than what the computer they were using the back in those days. The entire array of machines that they used to... to um, it, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? Even if you look back 15 years ago and you look at mobile phones, everyone used to be on the mobile phone to a degree, but talking now, literally everyone's just like that all the way to work. <laughs> on Sorry, the train. I'm tapping again. Zach <laughs> and I bump into each other on the train. It's probably the only time I don't use my phone on the train so I'm talking to Zach, but yeah. It's, it's completely pervasive and, and it's everywhere. So I think we need to get the confidence in at, at that level and more of us need to go into schools and talk about, as I sort of alluded to earlier on, which is all this which is common to you that you use on a daily basis. Well, actually it's been created somewhere and you could be part of that creation. 
Well, and you know, we, we can all hold ourselves accountable. So for example, next week, I'm going into my kids' school to talk about setting up a speed mentoring event for businesses to come in and I'll collaborate with other businesses from, Accent, from Accenture. And if you want to join in, please do, to try and get more girls into STEM and, and probably reach out to 100 kids in the region, get them to come in and, and have speed mentoring an opportunity to speak to people in the tech business. Yeah, that's brilliant. But brilliant, there's nothing yeah. stopping everybody doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we probably need to think about going into schools with, with a sort of a double agenda, really. We need to think about going in to speak to young people directly to say, this is what your career could look like. But equally to upskill teachers, you know, yeah. having having been a teacher myself, I was never given any sort of training on how to give career guidance to my students. And, and so I was facing situations where... I was giving my personal opinion. Oh yeah. God, you yeah. know. And if you've spent thirty years in education, actually, that's going to give a real slant on what you think careers look like for the average person. And so, the most we can do is to upskill teachers so they can really give great, great advice when we're not there. Yeah, it's a good idea. And I, I think, unfortunately, sometimes it's what you can, a child can hear one negative comment, yeah, and it takes ten positive reinforcement messages to, to undo. That. Mm. the harm and you know and the people don't, I don't think they're doing it intentionally no do you think so Mel you talk about what Accenture are doing do you think it's the responsibility of larger companies like that who maybe have the deeper pockets or is it is it every company or is it come down to the individual all of that all of, all of that of the yeah. above yeah <laughs> tick, I tick, mean, tick. Accenture are part of the Northwest business leadership team um, and they've put me on that on that group as their rising star I've only been there eight weeks so what tremendous opportunity just joining the company and getting all these opportunities yeah. as a woman in tech by the way and yeah they they hold that responsibility for growth in the northwest and growth of the region really seriously um so I, I do think uh, it's a responsibility of larger companies but I think we can all hold ourselves individually accountable you know I'm here today as the career mum and I hold myself accountable personally as the career mum to support and empower women and girls to achieve their potential. Yeah, I think it can be difficult right. for smaller companies to a certain extent. They don't necessarily have the bandwidth. And I think in those situations, it's more about putting out a good message and then taking individual responsibility. So if you're a small company and you're an MD of a small company, maybe you should go and talk to a school. If you haven't got time to do it as um, as a business, maybe you've got time to do it as a person because you're it's the they are the people that are coming in in five, ten, fifteen years that you if your business is still going in ten years time, they'll you might actually be hiring the same people. So get out and do it. I think that's a really good point. Can I ask a question slightly off piece? But you mentioned you're massively passionate about the north. Uh, you mentioned that at the start. Can you give us a bit more background on that? Uh, well, I was born in the northeast, but I moved to Manchester when I was in my I was about seven, I think, um, and. I've been schooled around here all my life and and worked around here all my life but I've worked in global corporates where I've worked with and I love diversity my parents lived abroad and you know I've always I've always thought that's what excited me but this is the first time where I'm in a role with a, a, a northern customer and I'm in the in the client um, site every day and I'm working with proper northern folk and I can't tell you how good that feels actually you know I, I do love that and obviously it's a very diverse team as well but just to you know I'm used to working with people from London a lot and um, just to hear the northern accents I, I, I try and stop myself smirking when they're speaking in meetings because I think wow I'm, I'm actually working with northern people it feels good and I think we all have a responsibility to look at the talent we've got amazing talent in this region there's so much going on you know we're here today in this office which 
the buzz around the the office here at, at Federation House is it? It's just amazing. Um, there's so much going on that we can really show ourselves as a, a leader in the Northern Powerhouse. Heather, what's your uh, experience of the North and the tech scene? Do you think stuff has changed a lot in the last five years? And I, I'm fully aware that you've not been in the tech scene <laughs> for five years, but um, presumably um, the opportunities are. Uh, yeah, and I, I I was born in Chester. I'm thoroughly Northwest. Never lived anywhere else. Can't imagine living anywhere else. Um, and I think. You know, particularly with Media City and the big move for the BBC up to Salford, I think there's a real lens on the Northwest to find out what is going to be happening. And, and it is a really exciting time. I spent a couple of years working at a college in Media City, actually. It's called the UTC at Media City. And that's about equipping young people with the skills to go and work in the digital and creative industries in the future. And I think that's where a lot of the future of education is going to be moving towards. How, how do we equip young people at that age so that they can go and work in these industries? Because with tech growing so much, I think there's a real issue about socioeconomic background here and making sure that young people, no matter their background, have got access to these above average salaries. Um, I think we've talked on on this show as well before in the past about the route different people have taken in tech and i'm a big fan of giving people the, having lots of opportunities but unfortunately the university is not accessible to a lot of people now because of the tuition fees and before that it was the you know main, the lack of maintenance fees and i think it's really sad you know because i think there's a huge value to the degree for coming in tech, not everyone needs it. We, I think this, we've discussed this before. You don't have to have a degree to work in tech, absolutely not. Um, but making that inaccessible to a you know, large chunk of the nation is a disaster, really. You know, and I think it's it needs to be addressed. They're probably the only thing that's possibly helping a little bit is the apprenticeship degrees, um, where you know people can get some hands. And on. we have quite a large number of those yeah, at Accenture. Yeah. So um, what kind of th- what kind of courses are they, and what are they? Is there a variety? Yeah, there's, yeah a, there's a variety. It's quite new, um, isn't it? So. Yeah, the, there's a variety, and we've got a lady in the northeast who leads the the um, apprenticeship schemes, and she actually goes into the university in Newcastle and helps them shape the the scheme. So I think again, large businesses have that responsibility to contribute to education and and say what they think needs to be in it. But yeah, we've got some great apprentices in the northwest. I was just going to say, you know, I think it's interesting because we talk about how much more we've still got to do, which we know that. However, there's still loads of good, good stuff going on. I mean, you know, tech returners, apprenticeships, uh, boot camps, all of these things. Are, I think there's a real effort happening. I think the bigger challenge is probably <laughs> tech itself just moves so quickly, you know, and in particular Manchester, we know, but the northwest and, and the north probably is booming, really. Manchester, particularly from a tech perspective. So we're addressing loads and loads and loads of things. But 20 years ago, it's a generational thing. It's going to take the number of years to get these people through. And even if you do get them through, the fact is tech moves so quickly that you're going to have to get the next lot through. You know, we talked about on another show where PHP, for argument's sake, was like something that everyone was looking for three years ago. Now it's JavaScript, you know, everyone's looking for instead and different skilled product owners and so on. And and the the list continues. So I think we also need to be recognising the fact that there is quite a lot of good stuff that's going on there, like tech returners, apprenticeships and so on. But I think there's probably a real big thing on the schooling and educating. And I think you've, for me, you've touched on a really good point about it's okay us going in and educating um, children ourselves 
But I think we also need to really, really educate the teachers. And if we can drive that, then ultimately that will cascade down. Yeah. And, and for me, I think one of the things about education, particularly around tech, is I, I think we should worry less about what it is that we're teaching. Because actually, if you're looking at a three year degree course, the way that university courses are structured means that that syllabus and that curriculum will be put in place and then will be delivered for three years. And unfortunately, in three years, we know that tech moves so quickly <laughs> that you might spend three years learning something and then realise it's completely out of date. Yeah. But I think that one of the things that education tech can give you is the transferable experience of, yes, you spent three years learning this. Actually, you've got potential to go and learn anything in the future. Yeah, And I think that's attitude based again, isn't it? It's yeah, all definitely. about attitude. For me, attitude, I've said it a hundred times on this program. Um, maybe not that, that maybe many not shows. Maybe not hundred. Yeah, maybe twice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but attitude is everything. You know, attitude, and if we can build the confidence and we can get that message across, then absolutely, we're going in the right direction. But the core skills for me for a career in tech are being able to deal with ambiguity, being agile, um, you know, knowing how to collaborate. You know, really important in tech is knowing how to collaborate across different teams and work with other people, appreciate diversity of thinking, understanding customer needs. None of those are tech things that you're going to get taught in a university, but I think they need to be the foundations of what everybody's taught, and that can start at school. Yeah, and an appetite to learn and resilience, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it's it's so much of it. And actually, I think it's quite interesting how apprenticeships have repositioned themselves. I know, obviously, the funding is all changed, and that's, that's part of it, but how, you know, going back 10 or 15 years, an apprenticeship is something somebody did if they wanted to learn a manual skill. In a lot of cases, right, they wanted to learn how to operate a machine or, or something like that. Not only, but quite often. But now the perception is, this is a practical way to get into a career where you're being educated at the same time as doing the job, side by side. And that's both cost effective for the individual so that they can, you know, they can carry on and earn a wage while they're being educated, um, cost effective for the company. Um, and it just works out all around. So I think it's interesting how that's coming in and maybe not pushing the degree out, but certainly jostling a little bit and sort of saying there's a there is an educational alternative to the degree and if and it is accessible, which I guess we can choose to continually educate ourselves, can't we? You know, we chose to do this podcast. We didn't have to take the time out of our day to do, choose to do this podcast. However, it's educating us every single time, just sitting with you guys, sitting with other people. It's really helping us as well understand more and more and become more and more immersed in the community and what's going on and so on. And just taking different people's opinions. So like you say, it has to be cross-functional from all different angles. Um, meetups we talked about and so on we just going to continue to educate people all the time and then it's up to them i think we're nearly at the end of the show so just before we wrap up i'd like to maybe ask each of you if you've got any advice for uh young people who are thinking about a career um in tech uh, that's the first question and the second one is anyone um who is considering a career change so manda you first there are young people What's the advice? What would you say to be doing now if you're 9, 10, 11? And I'm sure they're not listening, right? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. But their parents if might they're listen. If they're listening, they're well might... ahead of the curve. Yeah. So they're well, impressive and I'll have a good job tomorrow. <laughs> keep listening to this podcast yeah. and in no time at all. Yeah. Um, I, I think start to explore what the opportunities are. You know, 
if I do uh, career fairs, then I say to people, start to blog, reach out to people who are doing similar roles that you think you might be interested in. You might not even know what roles you're interested in, but start to follow people on social media if you're on social media. Um, But the sky's the limit. Don't ever be told that you can't do it. I think that's the main thing. You don't have to wait till you're you've finished your school or degree to start doing those things you can be doing them today and getting immersed in that community really good thank you and and i would say that that advice probably applies to career changes as well and and not just young people in education i think my advice is probably just to find the things that you love doing and and to continue to do those and i would really hope that at, at any age if we encourage people to do that we'll have people who find and stay in a career that they're absolutely passionate about yeah so find those things brilliant and i'm going to come back to your point something you said on your last uh, when you spoke which was you you did you got a career in testing and you knew you're in tech and then you thought but it's not quite right it's not i really want to be doing the coding and then you went and did it again you did another career change so well that was a brilliant brilliant story can i also add to that you can zach thank you i'll let you have this one thing Uh, my advice would be all of this cool stuff that you're using on a daily basis that you just use normally and it comes to you naturally because you wear a smartwatch now or IoT or whatever it may be has all been built and made and created somewhere. If you want to be part of that creation path and in 20 years time everyone will be involved in that then get involved now. Right. Understand more, make sure you get involved and you can do whatever you want because the only barrier to success is yourself. Fantastic. Thank you very much, everyone, for coming on the show. Um, really enjoyed having you. It was a really interesting and lively debate. Um, as ever, if you want to get in touch with us, please reach out on um, email, northwestify.podcast at gmail.com. And we're also on LinkedIn as Northwestify Podcast, or you can contact um, myself, Zach, or Denise, who again, we're all on LinkedIn and send us a message. Thank you very much. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you.